theology is the methodical interpretation of the contents of the Christian faith. Wow, Paul, that's actually an accurate statement for once. Let's see how he ruins this. This is implicit in the preceding statements about the theological circle. Oh, there it is. More of Tillich just making up his own terminology. Welcome back, everyone, to Evaluating Modern Theology. Here, in a section called Theology and Christianity, Mr. Tillich has decided to start defining theology again when previously he has already inserted all sorts of foreign and unrecognizable ideas into theology, which makes this section completely meaningless. However, in a typical Tillich fashion, he's very ecumenical about his task of uh, apologetic theology. Apologetic theology must show that trends which are imminent in all religions and cultures move toward the Christian answer. This refers both to doctrines and to the theological interpretation of theology. Okay, no. Apologetics, especially apologetic theology, has one crucial thesis. Christianity is right other religions are wrong. Tillich is taking a semi-perennialist view where, oh, there's a seed of truth in every religion. That's just not true. There is no seed of truth in secular humanism. There is no seed of truth in Islam outside of the fact that Islam rejects Christian truth. And if you're a Muslim listening to this, that's what I'm going to tell you. I hope that you convert to Christianity. I want what's best for you. This is what my religion says. That's what your religion says. I believe your religion is false. Let me show that through apologetics. However, perennialism is this kind of ecumenical idea that, oh, everybody can just get along. Now, before I move on, can I just say how ridiculous it is to hear the words, the theological interpretation of theology... What, Mr. Tillich? Theological interpretation of theology? No, theology is the business of doing the interpretation in order to get a cohesive message. It does not need to be interpreted by itself unless you are looking at historical theology, which he is not. He is speaking of apologetic theology. We don't speak of coloring in the colors. Oh, maybe we can talk about writing about writing. We can talk about talking, but theology is not theologically interpreted. It's just done. You do theology. Now again, I said historical theology, a little bit about that. It is difficult to parse out Augustine of Hippo at times. Sometimes you have to interpret what John Chrysostom is saying. He wrote in a very wordy, extremely wordy and labyrinthine fashion, but Historical theology is not doing theology, it is doing history, with maybe some theological evaluation thrown in for good measure. Moving along, here he attempts to define theology again. If taken in the broadest sense of the word, theology, the logos, or the reasoning about theos, God and divine things, 
is as old as religion. Wow, Tillich, that's not the broadest sense of the word, that's just what the word means. But Tillich has to say that because other people have been wrong before, and he wants to let you know that Schleiermacher being wrong means he's less wrong. It was a misunderstanding of Schleiermacher's definition of religion, the feeling of absolute dependence, and a symptom of religious weakness when successors of Schleiermacher located religion in the realm of feeling as of one psychological function among others. The banishment of religion into the non-rational corner of subjective emotions in order to have the realms of thought and action free from religious interference was an easy way of escaping the conflicts between religious tradition and modern thought. But this was a death sentence against religion, and religion did not and could not accept it. Let me parse that out. Schleiermacher was the, again, quote-unquote, Lutheran theologian who basically introduced liberal Christianity into the world. He's the great granddaddy of all liberal theology. In the face of Enlightenment humanism's attacks against Christianity and the deism that was everywhere, Hume and all these other guys, Schleiermacher said that, well, these are really non-overlapping magisteria. You need to look away from reason and toward feeling to get real religion. Schleiermacher's students got that message loud and clear. But Mr. Tillich here wants the church to surrender to the world, not divorce it entirely. At least that seems to be the construct that he is inventing here. So he's saying, oh, Schleiermacher students just didn't get what he was saying. <laughs> silly, silly students that were in closer proximity to Schleiermacher than Tillich was. Now, to his credit... Mr. Tillich here is going to argue with the ghost of Schleiermacher, believing that this is a misinterpretation of Schleiermacher that he's arguing with, with an actually good point that I hope he does not ruin later. You see, he says Christian theology is the theology. The basis of this claim is the Christian doctrine that the Logos became flesh that the principle of the divine self-revelation has become manifest in the event Jesus as the Christ. If this message is true, Christian theology has received a foundation which transcends the foundation of any other theology in which itself cannot be transcended. Christian theology has received something which is absolutely concrete and absolutely universal at the same time. None of the relatively abstract foundations of theology has the universality of the Logos, which itself is the principle of universality. In comparison with the Logos, everything else is relatively particular. Christian theology is the theology insofar as it is based on the tension between the absolutely concrete 
in the absolutely universal. Priestly and prophetic theologies can be very concrete, but they lack universality. Mystical and metaphysical theologies can be very universal, but they lack concreteness. He's right for once, except that he puts it in goofy terms. Christianity is a unique religion in that it is based entirely in historical events. You learn universal theological concepts like the Lagos, like the Trinity, and theism itself from the revelation of Jesus Christ. His resurrection, which is a historical fact, has bearing on all of theology. So it's not like Hinduism, where everything is abstracted out into philosophy, or Greco-Roman theology. Yes, the pagan religions did have a theology that was based on legends of stuff happening. And, and you could kind of maybe extrapolate a little bit of theological reality from that, but there was no meaning, no, nothing to comport from Hercules killing a monster. So Christian theology is the theology. This is true. But let's see how Paul Tillich muddies the waters because he just can't help himself. It is necessary to accept the vision of early Christianity that if Jesus is called the Christ, he must represent everything particular and must be the point of identity between the absolutely concrete and the absolute universal. That's a little bit of an overstatement there. That's a little bit of me wondering whether or not you're still taking the Heidegger pill there, Mr. Tillich. You could just say that Jesus is the go-between between God and man, but no, Mr. Tillich has to think in these gigantic philosophical concepts that maybe have some merit to them, but if you look at their logical implications, they go a little wacky. Let's keep reading here. It was not a cosmological interest, but a matter of life and death for the early church, which led to the use of the Stoic Philonic Logos doctrine in order to express the universal meaning of the event, Jesus the Christ. In so doing, the church announced its faith in the victory of the Christ over the demonic natural powers which constitute polytheism and prevent salvation. See? You extrapolate a little bit of the weird stuff he's saying, and you get some weird results. Stoic Philonic Logos Doctrine. Okay, the Stoics, according to Heraclitus, one of the great granddaddies of the Stoics, did have a Logos Doctrine. True, and Philo of Alexandria talked a little bit about a Logos theory that came from the Old Testament. True, and Philo was also into Greek philosophy, from which he borrowed some of his terms. Yes, is that necessarily where St. John gets the Logos doctrine? No, but I digress. This notion here that Christ's atonement that he won on the cross was in order to... Uh, announce victory over demonic-slash-natural powers? 
starts pointing us towards Christus Victor rather than, you know, the substitutionary atonement that the early church proclaimed. Let's see where he goes with this. For this reason, the church fought desperately against the attempt of Arianism to make the Christ into one of the cosmic powers, although the highest, depriving him of both his absolute universality and his absolute concreteness. The half-god Jesus of Arian theology is neither universal enough nor concrete enough to be the basis of Christian theology. See, every time he says something that sounds correct, he immediately muddies the waters. No, I guarantee you nobody at Nicaea was going, oh man, these Arians are a terrible threat to our theology. If, 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 if they're correct, then Paul Tillich's personal philosophy of religion is wrong, and that's I just can't even think about it. We gotta squish this guy. Nobody was thinking that. But for Paul Tillich, everything is about philosophy. I doubt that he will ever come out and say it, but philosophy is his true foundation for every single thing he does, and not just any philosophy. It has to be 19th century and early 20th century philosophy or else we might fall to the boogeyman that is orthodoxy and fundamentalism. Ooh. If you went up to Paul Tillich and said, what has Athens to do with Jerusalem? It seems to me that Mr. Tillich would respond with, what Jerusalem? There's a Jerusalem? Don't believe me? The next section is on philosophy and theology, colon, a question. Here's a nice little snippet from it. Philosophy necessarily asks the question of reality as a whole, the question of the structure of being. Theology necessarily asks the same question, for that which concerns us ultimately must belong to reality as a whole. It must belong to being. Otherwise, we could not encounter it, and it could not concern us. Of course, it cannot be one being among others. Then it would not concern us infinitely. It must be the ground of our being, that which determines our being or not being, the ultimate and unconditional power of being. But the power of being, its infinite ground, or being itself, expresses itself in and through the structure of being. Therefore, we encounter it, be grasped by it, know it, and act toward it. Theology, when dealing with our ultimate concern, presupposes in every sentence the structure of being, its categories, laws, and concepts. Theology, therefore, cannot escape the question of being any more easily than can philosophy. In other words, philosophy is the foundation on which all of theology must be built. He is going to start with philosophy. He is going to breathe philosophy into his theology because theology can only assume that which philosophy claims to have discovered. And in case you reply, 
I'm just going to go with what the Bible says. <laughs> you underestimate the ability of philosophers to ask silly, stupid questions about things. There is no common sense to Paul Tillich. The attempt of Biblicism to avoid non-biblical ontological terms is doomed to failure as surely as are the corresponding philosophical attempts. The Bible itself always uses the categories and concepts which describe the structure of experience. On every page of every religious or theological text, these concepts appear. Time, space, cause, thing, subject, nature, movement, freedom, necessity, life, value, knowledge, experience, being, and non-being. Biblicism may try to preserve their popular meaning, but then it ceases to be theology. And then he uses the example of history. Now, he claimed that Christ is concrete, but apparently, even though that sounded correct, he has to muddy those waters too by saying, well, a pastor can go out and say that Christianity is a historical religion, and he can trumpet that in his apologetics, but like, hey, don't you know he's relying on something that was the product of thousands of years of historical philosophy and the philosophy of history? <laughs> owned. Totally pwned, guys. Now see, this is a hat trick. Because it turns out there is no end to philosophy. There is no end to philosophy of X, Y, or Z. You can make a philosophy out of literally anything. There is no subject which you cannot philosophize by asking questions. Paul Tillich sees this as a defeater for just going by what the Word of God says. That's silliness. That's him saying, as long as I can ask questions about stuff, your point is invalid and I don't have to listen to what the Bible says. No, that's dumb. Trying to destroy the distinction between philosophy and theology in order to build up a different distinction is just an exercise in saying, I can make stuff up, therefore I win. No, Paul Tillich, it doesn't work that way. There is a Jerusalem, and no, it does not have much to do with Athens. Now, as I said, he does try to reconstitute a distinction. He just obliterated the distinction. Every theologian has to be a philosopher, and every philosopher is a theologian in waiting. But he does ask then, what is the difference? Philosophy and theology ask the question of being, but they ask it from different perspectives. Philosophy deals with the structure of being in itself, Theology deals with the meaning of being for us. From this difference, convergent and divergent trends emerge in the relation of theology and philosophy. From there, he spends several pages trying to argue that he didn't just lie to you because he really hopes you don't notice that he just lied to you. If philosophy and theology are just the same job, but different aims? It's the same job. After all, there's a philosophy of ethics. There is a philosophy of metaphysics. There is a philosophy of meaning. There is existentialism. 
the only difference, according to Paul Tillich, between a philosopher and a theologian is that the theologian maybe talks about Jesus as though the philosopher can't. That is dumb. There is no reason to agree with this man because, once again, we have common sense meanings to common sense words. Common sense realism from the Scottish school of it obliterates everything Paul Tillich is saying in his psychotic quest to kill theology, cut off its skin, make it into a cloak, and let philosophy wear it. There is a point to what he's doing, by the way, because ultimately, as he opened up his entire systematics textbook with, the idea is to get the church to modernize, to get with the times, to unconditionally surrender to the world and become friendly with it. In order to do that, theology has to die, and it has to become something totally different than what it has been for the past 2,000 years. Now, pastor, you say, hey, theology and philosophy have always had a relationship, haven't they? You're right. But the difference is that philosophy is not foundational to theology. Theology is the judge of everything philosophy. Everything must be judged by the word of God regarding whether it is true or false or completely orthogonal to the task of theology. That's it. That's how it has been for real Christian theologians now for 2,000 years. In fact, there is a philosophy that is constructed out of the word of God, which we might call the Ur philosophy, like words have meanings, the law of non-contradiction is valid, God exists, and so on and so forth. Your philosophy should mostly come out of your theology. It should come from that, and then all other philosophies will be judged by theology. Paul Tillich is flipping this on its head because he wants theology to die, and he wants it replaced with something he made up out of his philosophical inclinations. And that's why this project is so important. Because of Paul Tillich doing this little switcheroo, we have all sorts of churches out there sucking up to the world and justifying every single philosophical position the world can possibly come up with. I guarantee you there is a quote-unquote Christian theologian that just embraces nihilism, total nihilism, and they justify it using the word of God in the way that Paul Tillich wants them to do. And it's about time the church engaged in some self-defense against false teachers like Paul Tillich and his project of trying to murder the faith. We'll continue that next week. But until then, catch y'all later. Amen and amen.